Good morning. Might be on? Yeah, I think it is. All right. Good morning, everybody. So, thank goodness there's a lot of grace around here, right? Has anybody ever here for the first time and felt it? I know when I came here for the first time, I knew a couple people that were here, um, but it was overwhelming how as soon as we opened, you just felt the love and the grace that was here and present, and it was really a blessing. And so it is a privilege um, to be able to help out when we can. Um, A lot of you may know that I typically do um, what we can with the children's ministry, and so, um, you know, I always say I can do great with kids. With adults, on the other hand, sometimes it's you know, hit or miss. We'll, we'll take it or leave it, you know. Um, but it's all about sharing the message. And Pastor Mary leaves beautiful notes. I just love that today. Um, so it's interesting. I, I uh, had helped out with um, a lesson. Everybody that knows me knows I'm a little scattered. And uh, that's part of my charm, I tell people, or part of my curse. I don't know. I I think God made me in his image. And so maybe, you know, the, the good parts of him come through and that makes me like a creative genius sometimes. Right. Um, but in the other parts, it makes people absolutely bananas because I'm typically, you know, unorganized and running late, but again, there's grace and not that I want to abuse it. Right. Like the song says, and I always say, thank you, Lord. Thank you. I don't want to abuse it. I'm trying. Um, but it's, it's always interesting. I have to laugh at myself. And I said when I walked in, I literally had a nightmare about this last night that I was running late for church this morning. And somebody said, who runs late for church when they have to fill in and preach? Well, this girl does. So it is what it is, you know. Um, this morning we're going to talk about uh, the woman at the well. And recently when I was asked to help with the women's study and um, – Marlene, who's running that, so graciously said, you pick. The Lord will lead you. And um, we were talking about the different people who've been reading this book, and I liked all these other women. It was, you know, my first one was Esther and all these, and then as I got praying about it, and it hit me of the woman at the well and how she's nameless and all these things, and it just was so profound. So before we get into the message, I wanted to play this. It's like a three-minute clip um, because I thought it was pretty profound in this modern day. Can we play that? Awesome. magnificent is it that he goes on to tell her about his living water that it's raised her suspicions and her curiosity right what did she think there was going to be a well at her house she was going to suddenly have a you know on off spigot what you know who knows what she was going through her mind at the time but i think the holy spirit took over right and she believed what he was saying that a woman who most likely trusts no one no one and how we think has there ever been a time where we haven't been able to trust anyone or maybe it's still hard to trust Jesus and what we say here doesn't feel like it applies in everyday life. I know I've been there before. Let's go on to, let's see. 
14. Well, I just read 14, didn't I? But the water I give you takes away thirst altogether. So she changes her tune a bit, doesn't she? In verse 15. I might have to get a large print, apparently. (laughs) My birthday is coming, so I I can make jokes about that, right? Uh, Jesus replied, oh no, please, sir. The woman said, give me some of that water. Then I'll never be thirsty again, and I won't have to come here to haul water. Maybe she did. That was where I thought that. Maybe she thought, there's going to be a hose at the house. Who knows? I'm just kidding, guys. I don't think she thought that. Um, When Jesus went on to say, go and get your husband, and she said, I don't have a husband. Jesus said, you're right. You don't have a husband. For you've had five husbands, and you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. Can you imagine? I'm just saying right now, drop the mic. If somebody walked up to me and told me half my sins or even a fraction of my sins, I'm thinking I would stop everything and listen to anything the man said. Just bottom line. I can't imagine what struck her in that moment when she thought that, because, or when he said that to her. How incredible. Here, he's already fronted her. He's told her, I've got, you've got five husbands. You're living with someone you don't know. She said, sir, you must be a prophet. So tell me, why is it that you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place to worship? Well, we Samaritans claim it is here at Mount Gizimon, where our ancestors worship. Jesus replied, Believe me, the time is coming when it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father here or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know so little about the one you worship, while we Jews know all about him, for salvation comes through the Jews. But the time is coming and is already here when true worshipers will follow the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for anyone who will worship him that way. For God is spirit, so those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know the Messiah will come, the one who is called Christ. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. Can you imagine? That's pretty radical. Now, today, if someone came and said that, I'm thinking... I don't know what most people do. There, years ago, I had lived in Bay City in the early 2000s, and I was uh, very much a prodigal child at that time. And um, there was a man walking around that looked like what I thought might have looked like Jesus. And that was incredible. I remember thinking, is that guy mentally ill, or is he really just on a mission? And I had some much braver friends than me at the time that did speak with him. And apparently, if I remember right, now this is 20 years ago, he was walking around to share the message with people. And he didn't think he was Jesus or anything like that. But I think he, I mean, he had like a robe on with a rope. And I think he had sandals on. Maybe they were Birkenstocks. I don't remember. Uh, And he was just telling people the message. And I remember being scared because I had been raised in a Christian home, in a, you know, Christian family, all these things, went to parochial school for Pete's sake, all these things, and I was not living for Christ. And when Jesus, or a man that looks like Jesus, is walking around Bay City, I was terrified, to tell you the truth, terrified. And so when a friend had spoke to him and heard about that, I thought, wow, how radical, how incredible. And I just thought it was very neat. And I always wondered, what happened to him, or what was his name? This is before social media, right? So you couldn't look him up. Like, nobody had... Um, put him on Instagram, or we hadn't Snapchatted him, and um, 
I don't know who he was. I probably never will. Maybe somebody does. I don't know. I should like put that out there now and ask. But I just thought, what an incredible man that he felt God called him to do that. And he did it. And I'm sure he touched people's lives because of his message. And really, he just wanted to share a message of hope, exactly what God wants to do for us. He wants to share his living water with us. Where did I leave off here? So, he tells her he's the Messiah. Just then, the disciples come back. So 12 guys come back. They're astonished that he's talking to a woman, but none of them asked him why he was doing it or what they'd been discussing. So the woman left her water jar beside the well and went back to the village to tell everyone. Again, a huge deal, right? She's carrying a very large water vessel, supposed to go back home with it. How many trips has she taken by then? And she left it there? I'm thinking she believed her at this point. I'm thinking her life has been radically and utterly changed at this point. That she wants to stop everything she's doing, something important that she's doing, and she wants to go tell everybody. She goes to the village, and she says, Come and meet a man who told me everything I ever did. Can this be the Messiah? So the people came streaming from the village to see him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging Jesus to eat. No, he said, I have food you don't know about. Who brought it to him? The disciples asked each other. Then Jesus explained, My nourishment comes from doing the will of God, who sent me and from finishing his work. Do you think the work of harvesting will not begin until the summer ends four months from now? Look around. Vast fields are ripening all around us and are ready now for the harvest. The harvesters are paid good wages, and the fruit they harvest is people brought to eternal life. What joy is the planter and the harvester alike? And you know the saying, one person plants and someone else harvests. And it's true. I sent you to harvest where you didn't plant. I've already done the work. Uh Uh-oh. And you will have the harvest. I didn't touch anything. Many Samaritans believe. So here's a woman that is not well-liked in the community. She goes to town, probably super excited. And people come and want to hear what Jesus has to say. Now, you know, when I was thinking about, I had read this book and... um, I started looking into more of the verses and talking about how Jesus had sent the guys away and why he had just, he was, these guys were the same guys that had sent little children away from Jesus. I think he knew um, what he was doing why he sat at the well. And where a fearful woman, if she went to the well and there was 13 men there, I don't think she would have stayed. She most likely would have went somewhere else or waited until who knows when. How many, so talk about a change of heart and spirit that one man could make a difference in her life and many others to come. So they're back. All of them are back. Uh, Jesus is telling them about the harvesters, how not only the people that are planting, but the people that are reaping what is coming. And he's talking about people and how we can each be that one person too. We can plant a seed in one person, and that seed may grow, and then those people can affect how many people also. So going on to verse 39. Many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because the woman had said, He told me everything I ever did. 
When they came out to see him, they begged him to stay at their village. So he stayed for two days, long enough for many of them to hear his message and believe. For many of them. I got to circle that because I think that's big. (laughs) Then they said to the woman, Now we believe because we have heard him ourselves, not just because of what you told us. He indeed is the Savior of the world. So it's funny that this says many and my Samaritans. We think of it like what we were saying earlier, generations upon generations upon generations. Oh, all it takes is one person, one person in a family, one person in a community, one person in a school, in a job, whatever it is, that look at what one person can do by sharing the message and saying, look at what I found. Look at what he says. Look at what he can give me. And not even so much that. Yes, he can give us eternal life. Yes, he can give us all these things. But that we can share that and share it with others, that they can have that also. And in turn, we can serve him and share his love with others. (laughs) How many people do you think came to believe in this one, because of this one nameless woman? You know, I was earlier calling her Joe, but really she had a name. And they called her by her name when she was there. How many generations do you think she changed? I think she probably changed a whole lot of generations. I was recently in um, Kentucky at the Creation Museum and at the Ark Encounter. And if anybody has an opportunity, I just broke the pen. If anybody ever has an opportunity to go there, go. It is the opportunity of a lifetime. And... I thought I knew a bit about the Bible. You know, I'd gone to Bible college. I've studied the Bible for a long time. Like, I did not, I've never tore apart Noah and all those different things in Genesis 1 through 11. And um, I have now because of that. And how, you know, coming from the profound effect of one man who listened to God and changed everything, that we're all descendants of Noah. And Uh, Because he listened, and he was obedient, Um, just like Joe or our nameless girl, right? Do you ever feel nameless? I I kept thinking of this when I was hearing the story and when I was reading this of, I get stuck on little details that don't matter sometimes, but then I go back and think, I think the details do matter. That uh, regardless of whether the Bible has her have a name or not, or whether we have a name or not, We still matter to the kingdom of God, always and forever. And that having a name here on earth really doesn't matter much. Um, I know there's a Christian song. I can't think of who sings it, but, um, you know, I don't need my name in lights is basically the, you know, the the words in the song. And how uh, when I first heard that, I thought, yes, I don't care who knows my name. I just want them to remember the message. And how I just, my notes here from when we had talked about this of God knows our name. He knows each and every one of our names. My kids and I were talking the other day how um, it was, we were reading and it was talking about how God makes us each special and unique and how we all matter. And, um, and I said something about how he even knows every hair on our head. And my, my, they're nine, eight, and six, right? Every hair, like every hair. Can you imagine now? The baby has a lot of hair. I have a lot of hair. The boys, they have quite a bit of hair, but can you imagine? We couldn't even think of a number that was high enough. We couldn't even think of that. I don't even, I can't even count that high, right, between the four of us. And um, to think that God is 
a lover of our souls, that he knows every minute detail, and that he does have a greater plan for us. wanted to look quick. You know, when we're asking for the living water, and many times when we are having prayer and we're talking about this, in verse 15, I feel like there's no purer expression than when we ask. The essence of prayer, God help me, that we ask God to fill us. Fill us with your spirit. Fill us with your love. Let us show it to others. That we can have acceptance, love, joy, peace, comfort. That I know on many days I feel like, Lord, I am thirsty for your knowledge. Please fill me with yourself. You know, and on the other hand, the enemy is a liar and has many ideas and conniving ways with our good ideas to devour us, right? Um, with false promises, all the glitter, and none of the gold, none of the living water. Um, you know, here on this earth, I, I keep trying to teach my kids and the kids when, when I teach that, um, you know, this is not our home forever. Heaven is our home. And we're only here for a short time. However, what are we going to do with it while we're here? Are we going to make the most of it? Are we going to seek him and serve him and share our love of, with him, with others? Or do we keep it to ourselves and hide at noon when it's hot like she wanted to? You know, She wasn't even seeking him, and he still went to her. And I thought, man, how many times? I've talked to countless hurting people. You know, in that old saying of hurt people hurt people, it's what made me think of when she was trying to bicker with him a little bit. Of She's been wounded, and she wants to unleash that on somebody. And I, I know I can be guilty of that at any time, of um, do me wrong, I'm going to do you wrong, and whatever that is. And, and I have to go back, and, uh, you know, it doesn't happen as often as it used to, but, um, you know, still, we're all flawed people. And when we can say, God, you know my thirst, and he was the well sitting at the well. He wants to quench our thirst, but will we let him? That was the question. Are we thirsty for approval of man, or are we thirsty for approval of Christ? Make, when things make sense to everyone else doesn't mean that it's right. That's been something that has stuck with me. I got so excited when we were going to do this Bible study. Just one, because I love women's Bible studies. But then two, when, um, when uh, Pastor Mary had asked me to fill in, I thought, yes, because I have my stuff done already. <laughs> and, you know, like I, I'm going to be prepared and this makes it better. And really it was like, no, just share the message. This is not about me. This is about sharing the message. And how... You know, a lot of times, I know, especially here in Bay City or wherever, desperate people do desperate things. And that we don't have to be evil to do evil things. That we're looking for the living water or are we looking for death? And it might not seem that profound when we're just doing little things in life, right? I talk about with the kids all the time. How do you treat your brothers and sisters? Um, like your friend? Do you talk kind to them like your friend? Or do we talk mean to them? And we, I always tell them, these are your friends forever. You're stuck with them forever. Your friends now in first and second and third grade are not going to be your friends forever, most likely. And how teaching that kindness and that love of 
for them to have with everyone, not just people they pick and choose. And that how sin does separate us from God and how we do want to be as close to him as we can be and how we go about that by drinking of his living water. And what his living water can look like every day, getting in his word, having a Bible that's falling apart, um, kindness to strangers, sharing love and peace with others. When he was talking in verse 20, and I had already said this about how she left her vessel and went to town, and how the many, many people were saved because of that. I just can't get over about how many generations of people, had they not listened to her, or had they said, she doesn't know what she's talking about, but they did. They listened to her, and they believed what she was saying. Oh, I just wanted to, um, I didn't give Jesse this verse, but if you want to um, take notes and put this for Luke 4, 1, and then Luke 4, 4, where the correlation um, was when Jesus was tempted and he answered with the truth. When he was in the garden and he had been fasting and the devil came to um, tempt him, and he couldn't be tempted, and he just said, um, the answer, he answered with the truth. And it just reminded me of that correlation and how people do not live by food or water alone, but by the living water and the bread of life. And I know I had said this before. Have you ever seen, most people have seen this now because it's pretty um, popular now, um, the picture of Jesus reaching down into the water and pulling people up. And I remember the first time I saw it, it was like how I felt about that picture. If anybody's ever seen the picture in the back of the church, um, where a girl that was raised in an atheist family, I think if I remember the story right, painted that, and she had an epiphany and came to Christ because of that. And I believe a lot of her family did also. And I remember just being touched by that picture and thinking, wow, um, you know, how amazing that someone who's never been raised in that way would have no idea what she thought and could pr- have a profound change for generations, most likely. And how that picture of Jesus reaching into the water touched me in the same way. And I remember thinking, I'm typically the girl that falls in the well. And I know a lot of people feel that way too. And I don't know about you, but Lassie isn't coming to get me. (laughs) But I know that Christ will. And to go even further, I was out um, on some property up north a couple of weeks ago or a month ago now, and it was, there was like 12 inches of ice. I mean, it was really thick, but I was not very trusting. I thought, this is crazy. This is crazy. I went out, decided to try something different, and, um, you know, I have a one-year-old puppy that's squirrelier than I am, and I thought, if I go through the ice, I'm meeting my maker today because the dog is not going to save me, you know, and so I began to pray. And I trusted my friend, and I went out, and it was beautiful. It was absolutely beautiful. And so I could go back a few weeks later, and I could go there and look at that, and the water was all open. It had all melted. And I thought, look at what God does. It's the beauty of what he's, you know, the seasons and the changes, and trusting in him and just sitting there and listening to the water, and how it can have a a life-changing effect on us the way his living water does. So, 
Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you for this day. And we thank you, Father, for grabbing us out of any deep waters that threaten to take us away from you. Help us to seek acceptance only from you and not from this world. That you would know each and every one of us. You know all of our names. You know every detail of us. You have a special trip mapped out for each and every one of us. There are no secrets from you, Father. That you love us in spite of our sins and struggles. Quench every worldly thirst that we have, Lord. Let the refreshing living water of you meet every thirst we have. That we know that you know our every thirst, Lord. Thank you for filling us and equipping us to help others be refreshed also. Guide us in your day. Let your word fill us through the week. Thank you for your safety, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Just a reminder, the Blessing Shop is open. Please get any kiddos that may be down there and have a wonderful, wonderful week.